for today's episode, we thought we would take things in a slightly different direction. We set aside a bit of time today to try to think through a few different pieces of writing that came out before and after the election um, to get a sense of what the left, how the left thought about and engaged with the obedient wave and what kind of lessons the left has drawn now that the election has come and passed. And, you know, in the midst of that conversation, we'll also reflect on, I guess, our own lessons um, that we've drawn from, from the obedient wave. So to kick things off, I think we should start by reflecting on the pieces of writing that came out before the election happened. So let me turn now to Emeka, who um, perhaps more than the rest of us foresaw some of the developments that played out vis-a-vis -vis the rise of the obedient wave. Um, Emeka, you've engaged with you know, the set of pieces that we shared, all of which will be linked um, in the description of, of those pieces, which one struck you as most compelling and why? Why don't we start there? Uh, I mean, as simple as that question sounds, it's a difficult thing for me to answer. Regardless, um, let me say for the before pieces, um, mm -hmm. I didn't quite find, I wasn't fully convinced by the T-pop um, piece. Okay. Well, T-POP, first of all, is a coalition of the left within and outside, you know, the, the labor movements, you know, labor centers. Um, essentially, it was, it, was, um, it was thought through as a way to re recover the labor party from those who, are, who had hijacked it, you know. Um, yeah, so um, at once, the people we called the Nat National Consultative Forum. Um, so they... they the entry of these guys meant their own exit, you know, and that for me wasn't quite convincing, mm. um, especially since it's already it was already a given that you know um, the Labour Party, as presently constituted, wasn't uh, a revolutionary party in that sense, you know. But so I found the Marxists.com article was well, a bit more compelling mm -hmm. um more compelling because it recognized you know the dialectics of the situation you know and it advocated more for i mean having recognized the fact that you had um the labor party that had been hijacked by um people who didn't quite believe in the revolutionary potential of of the party of people who went as as interested in um, a revolutionary party, so to speak, you know. Um, so you had them on one hand, and then yeah. you had um, the labor bureaucracy, you know. And by that I mean <clears throat> the TUC and the NLC, you know, who have also been, you know, his over the years, complicit in, in selling out, you know, the interest of workers. Yeah. So you had them on one front. And then you had the bourgeois elements who had come into the party a couple of months before the election, you know, spearheaded by um, P2B himself, you know, and his 
band of co-travelers. You know, I think that the Marxist piece, Marxist.com piece kind of recognized the dialectics of the situation, you know, mm. and then advocated for a clear-headed entry, you know, into um, the Labour Party um, on that basis, you know, uh, with a body of program that was more focused on workers and the interest of workers. So I think that they recognized the Labour Party as, as a site for struggle, you know, and that one that should have been pushed um, in the lead up to the election, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I also found um, um, the, the essay, I think it was Basil Abia's essay on, on Africa as a country, a little bit compelling, you know, mm -hmm. um, where yeah, he, he, ad he advocates for, you know, some sort of increasing by the left, you know, and in that essay, he mentions TPOP, I think, um, mm -hmm. and, and they're foreign into trying to recover the Labour Party, but was a bit disappointed in their exits, you know, so I share that sentiment. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but where my own point of departure with him is, uh, I'm not sure how much he thought, how much ideological clarity he had um you know in his analysis of of the obedient movement you know that that was basically um the motive force of of the ob campaign you mm -hmm. know um because he he kind of thought that you know there was a possibility of radicalizing you know if not all then some of you know, the members of the obedient movement, um, almost as if to say that the, the constituent members of this movement didn't have any ideological um, grounding of any sorts, you know. Uh, so for me, I think in that regard, I didn't, I didn't quite find his own piece compelling him from a strategic point of view. Um, mm -hmm. because, I mean, the elements that you wanted to radicalize were already stuck, you know, within, were already grounded within a certain ideology and, and it would have been almost impossible to shift, you know. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, of course, moving away from that, you know, you then had um, the post-election analysis. And yeah, so let me come back to you for that. Um, after we get OEG to comment on the pre-election, analysis. Um, but before we go to OEG, let me ask you to clarify one point that you're making. So basically, it sounds like you're saying the people who seemed most compelling to you are the Marxists, the people who seem least compelling is TPAP, and then Basil was kind of in the middle, if I'm hearing you yeah, correct. Yeah. Like, yeah, you, yeah. You, 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 you were sympathetic to some of his points, but then maybe um, didn't fundamentally agree on strategy, ultimately. Um, but okay, it seems like one one way in which you differentiate Basil from the Marxists is that you say the Marxists were pushing for entering the Labour Party with a kind of programmatic focus. He didn't. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't quite. Yeah. It, it didn't strike me as though he he understood the fact that the makeup of the obedient movement was largely middle class and that they were already stuck. I mean, 
uh, I hate to say, it, but these were for large swaths of them who had just come out of the PDP, you know, uh, mm -hmm. or would usually go with the PDP. You right. Know, if, 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 yeah, I totally agree with that last point, but I'll come back when it's my turn. Um, but now it's going to be OEG's turn. OEG, let me come to you now. Can you assess these three pieces from the perspective of, you know, how you how you were swayed or not by the analysis vis-a-vis -vis how the left should engage with the obedient wave as it was rising? Um, I think, to me, generally, the most what the Marxist one seems to, you know, um, work with what we have at the times now, something that's a bit more attainable in terms of, you know, like working with the Labour Party, seeing that elements that are really dedicated to the, you know, ideology of the left, try to gain, gain hold of, you know, this Labour Party and make something of it. So I'd say that um, the Marxist.org one is the, is the one that really does it for me, you know, in terms of advocating, we going in, working with what we have, you know, in a principled fashion and trying to see, you know, such that whatever happens, you know, would have already kind of reconstitute or give some sort of direction to where the Labour Party is supposed to be or where it's supposed to go, you know, and use that to educate the people, you know. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere in the middle is the Africa is a country one, the entryism, um, the entryism piece, you know, that one somewhere in the middle, we know, yeah, we, we just enter, do what we have to do. But again, like when we enter and just don't have a program or not have like a focused direction, because I feel generally that the left itself needs to unite under a certain umbrella and not dissipate itself, you know, doing different things. You know, the socialist workers, um, the socialist workers article, you know, that I read, of course, this post-election, you know, points in one direction. And some people are pointing towards entryism. Some people are pointing towards what about coming to analyze what we have at the moment, what's obtainable and seeing that, you know, we can fix and salvage what we have and go in a certain direction whereby, if nothing, we'll have attained a higher level of consciousness and use it to mobilize the people or maybe make it clearer for them to see that, oh, this is the new direction that we have to go to. You know, the, the time might be short, you know, in terms of how things played out with the emergence of OB. I know I'm sure it was a very, very fast, you know, um, set of events or occurrences, but we're supposed to be able to adapt and be politically active. And this goes to the point whereby the left is supposed to be organizing with or without elections. Like, so that we're active, we're ready, we have on-the-ground connections with people, so that when you want to mobilize people for political action, it won't be when you have, like, a new, you know, um, sort of political talk from the top. Then you start running helter-skelter to look for your modality or how to approach it. You also have to direct the course of the country or the course of the country or its politics or play an, you know, impactful role before... You know, it seems like the elites are shaping the the action because then it's already too late. You know, so like for it's I mean, I'm somewhere in between. Like for me, the most compelling one is the Marxist Marxist.org. You know, um, one that of course refers to gives a historic historical 
background, how to go about things, you know, like that one does it for me generally. And, you know, right. uh, looking, yeah, yeah, that one does it for me. Let me, let me copy that. that now. Okay. I mean, before we let you off the hot seat, I will come yeah. back to SWL, um, the, the, that one that you alluded to, because that analysis was post-election. Um, yeah. And yeah, like I said, we'll talk some more about that in a moment. But um, I wanted to hear your take on the TPAP article and the TPAP approach. You know, so it sounds like you were more compelled by, like Ameka, you were more compelled by the Marxist.com um, article, which, by the way, was written by the Marxist alternative people. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's an organization in Nigeria. Um, yeah. And yeah, like Emeka, you were somewhat sympathetic also to Basil Abia's um, uh, argument in Africa as a country. But how about TPAP and their approach? Um, you know, how does that strike you? Or how did it strike it's about you? Like a, like a third, third force that's coming to, you know, build up from the scratch inside within the confines of you know will i say remnant labor or people that are affiliated with labor just re recalibrating and bringing themselves up together which mm. still you know which still feels more like running after the boss to me it feels like yeah, running after feel like it. that's what it is <laughs> mm. you know so that's that's what really just kind of put me off you know with with it because we have to be realistic. The time frame is short, you know, and how do we intend to fashion out something new without short period of time? You know, and again, you don't just coalesce people around and say you want to do something, you know. We have like um what's it called? Like um this person we interviewed. I, I, yeah, you had alluded to the fact that there are some, you know, people with questionable characters in Tipa you know, that are still tied to the bougie elements, you know. So are you taking the masses for a ride, you know? Are you trying to, not... you know, mm -hmm. are you trying to distract them? Are you trying, like, what? what's the, what's the long game being played there, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. it just, yeah, it just kind of gives me some sort of vibes that, <laughs> I if, don't know. If, if you know, go call names, leave them, leave them. You know, if, you know, <laughs> if, you know yeah, if you don't want to call the name, we ain't call, leave them. We can just, okay. yeah, we can just free him, so, you know, but then, yeah. like, yeah, we can just free him. But, yeah, something like that, really, you know. Right. I go rather, rather, yeah, just, we'll just walk away till we get and stop running after the bus. T-Pop gave you the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> yeah, you can say so, yeah. Um, yeah. Baba, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's, if we're going to call a speed a speed without calling names, right? I don't think that T-Pop has the moral rights to call the NCF, the National Conservative Front, or allude to it being opportunist in any sense, really. Because if the bureaucracy of the labor movement has thrown the left, you know, outside of the labor movement under the bus repeatedly, then where did this idea of forming a coalition with them, you know, come from to the extent, you know? So, I mean, Without even any insider gist or having without having listening to Ayo, it just comes to me. I mean, that's the feeling that I get. But I mean, yeah. you opt and walked away from what is essentially a laudable effort because you couldn't get the reins of leadership 
really, you know. And that's just yeah. how I see it. Right, know? right. I mean, that's that's how I interpret, you know, all all that long to range, to be honest. Right. So that's interesting. I think um, okay, you guys have gone. Maybe I should then take the floor and, and try to you know assess these articles as well. Um, I probably actually end up in the opposite camp than you guys. <laughs> when awesome. it comes to yeah, when it comes to trying to make sense of you know how these various left perspectives um compelled or not vis-a-vis -vis the question of how to engage with the obedience. And I'll tell you why. Um so I think I found the Basil Abia article least compelling for sure. Um for the reasons you've already said. Like you know, it basically was saying a, a fundamentally contradictory thing. On the one hand, it was saying the left is too disorganized to carry out any serious electoral strategy. The left is inchoate, it's various organizations that don't see eye to eye. And on the other hand, it was advocating for that same left to unify within moments and forge an entryist um, strategy within the Labour Party. So, I mean, your premise... Your, your your kind of assertion is undermined by your premise. How can that inchoate left that we all know is disorganized then carry out a coordinated entry strategy effective enough to convince these former PDP people that America has talked about, the PDP middle class obedience to now somehow support a left agenda within a Labour Party dominated by the person they joined the party for? So, I mean, it just seemed like, okay, where are they? What's the head and what's the tail of this approach, really? Um, you know, so there's there was a certain I, you know I appreciated his his having written the piece and you know I think it was particularly important for him to write it because you know a lot of the left was talking for youth, you know, but we didn't really hear a young person speak up. So as a young person himself, I guess he's young. I mean, I don't know him, but that's my assumption. It was good that he wrote the piece. But at the same time, I think it also revealed a certain amount of naivety based on what Emeka said, that like, um, yeah, no matter how smart you think you are or sound, these middle-class elements that are joining the party support Peter Obi not with an empty head. I mean, they're not just going to be swayed by your grammar or your stats. They have an ideological commitment. So um, on the one hand, and then on the other hand, you know, you've already said that the left is very inchoate. So how is that inchoate left then going to pursue a kind of strategic entryist uh, agenda? You know, so, yeah, I, I, I couldn't really make heads or tails of, of how his read of a certain situation was then informing a strategy. And I think to a lesser extent, this was my problem with the Marxism, um, the Marxist alternative assessment as well. Um, you know that they were, I think the, the assessment was premised on the idea that the youth and a certain layer of workers were moving into the party. So the left should orient, orient itself towards the party. It's like based on that argument, the left should orient itself towards the APC and the PDP as well, because both of those other parties also have youth and a certain layer of workers. So if we're saying that there are three parties led by the bourgeoisie, which have a base that is constituted partially by youth and partially by some workers, 
then what really distinguishes the obedient movement from the PDP and the APC? And we all know that the answer is not ideology. So they're trying to answer that the, they're trying to argue that the answer is demography or sociology, right? It's the it's the kind of the makeup of the base. But the thing is, the makeup of the base in that different. Uh, I'll get you a. I'll give you a chance to respond in a moment uh, before I finish. Um, but so if it's like if it's very similar bases. If, if, before base, you finish, if you just allow me to talk. But after you finish. Uh, okay, I, I allowed you to finish. So. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> right? So if it's like, in either case, we're faced with a base that looks fairly similar. And I think if you go back in history, this is the same kind of strategic error that led the Marxist alternative people to support Buhari in the 2020, 2015 election. Because they, in that instance, similar to this, just saw a popular candidate coming to power, led, you know, supported by some wing of the Labour Party, and seemingly winning the heart of some youth and assume that this is where the left should pitch its camp. But if that's always the case, then we're always going to be actually chasing the bus. I mean, to use oh, Jesus, our, our um, analogy, right? Because it's like wherever youth and some workers are going, irrespective of what the leadership looks like, irrespective of what its ideology is, we should follow. And so, you know, that kind of leaves me with the tip-up analysis, not because I feel like I'm completely on board with TIPAP's approach. I mean, I'm kind of similarly wary of some of the kind of underlying political alignments that seem to go on behind the scenes with, with those folks, which Ayo alluded to. Um, but I think that unlike the other people, they actually developed theory based on practice rather than coming up with a theory in a box and then, you know, trying to kind of template that theory on top of a messy situation. They got involved in the messy situation and used their involvement to formulate a theory. So I think, I think that's an interesting approach. Um, and what was that, that involvement about? I mean, and you know, that's where I might differ from them is that fundamentally what they sought out to do is to reconcile warring factions of the Labour Party, okay? And when they did this, right, after those warring factions were reconciled, those warring factions teamed off and, and sold the Labour Party to basically this entrance of the highest bidder, in effect. But the question for me is, like, what did TIPAP extract as a concession when it played that game with the Labour Party? I mean, because politics is give and take, right? You gave them this alternative dispute resolution platform for them to resolve their differences. But what did you get out of it? Did you get any strategic position in the party? Did you get to include your um, programs in the manifesto? Did you get any kind of institutional leverage? So, I mean, I think that, that approach by TPAP takes us further because it gives us a concrete example of, an, of a real life practical application of theory. Okay, let's try to actually intervene in the party. It's just that the intervention they chose, um, I don't think sufficiently extracted a necessary concession to move politics forward. So, I mean, in all, I think to summarize, why I see TPAP as slightly most comp more compelling than the others is that they did the thing the other people were suggesting, and they did it in, the, in real life, not just on the pages of 
you know, of journals or or you know newspapers, and that thing failed because it wasn't sufficiently backed up by a real understanding of the give and take nature of politics. So it's like the others were just kind of writing in theory. Oh, let's 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 move into the party on mass, but which mass and who's us, you know? And let's sway obedience to our side. But how are you going to do that? They already have their beliefs. Or let's align ourselves with the party in a vague way. Okay, but in, what what does that mean practically? TPAP at least had a practical answer, even if it was the wrong one. So I think that's why I found that one most compelling. But anyway, Emeka, back to you. Sounded like you you wanted to challenge this nah, even I, in the midst of this. I this challenge, I'm dying. I'm dying. <laughs> All right. It's very, very rude, right? Good. Okay. Um, so if I understand what TPAP is, right? It's basically a movement formed by people within labor, but on the fringes. And people, the left, the left within labor, but on the fringes, and the left outside labor. Right. Um, this coalition was useful because, and the way that's my reading of it, because the elements within labor could call a meeting between the bureaucracy of labor and heavyweights on the left outside of labor for them to have a sit down and try and resolve whatever dispute. But I'm not convinced that any dispute was resolved to start with, okay? But much more than that, what that suggests to me was that essentially that was a top to bottom approach. Now, part of TPAP's criticism and by extension, the labor bureaucracy was that there was no real, and, and part of the reason why they wanted to resolve this dispute was to make it, um, to smoothen the road or the grounds for the mass movement of workers into the party. So you already, you basically just had a labor party without a base in terms of workers within it. And these were the arguments that were ongoing, right? Um, so, as far as I'm concerned, TPAP lost the battle. Obi and obedience wasn't even their problem. Their problem was with the labor bureaucracy. And it is essentially because they had nothing to bargain with. You know, just calling a meeting for the for this for, for the sake of it isn't doesn't give you any bargaining power. Right? Let's even assume that you reconcile the warring factions. Okay, what are you all, what are you then bringing to the table in terms of numbers? How many associations of barbers, hairdressers, organizers, pepper sellers, market women? What's the what's what is it that you're bargaining with, really? Okay, so let's take it for granted that they did resolve. Any okay, dispute. but that's the point I was making. That yeah, they didn't no. really have they didn't take anything away from that dispute. So are you agreeing with me in that sense? So. No, I'm just saying. I'm saying. I'm so. I'm. I'm. That's. I'm. I'm trying to. Um, what's the word now? I'm trying. I'm trying to contextualize what it was that they did or they said that they did, right? Um, okay. And I'm saying. And, and I'm saying this because I think that 
the fallout that TPAP had with both, I don't even think they had any fallout with OB, the NCF, right? I think the NCF was just an excuse for them to walk out because essentially what became clear to TPAP was that with the entry of the NCF, which had money, there's no, there's no, there's no need to make words about this. The NCF came with money to mobilize, put money in Labour Party. And of course, the Labour bureaucrats, which are always sold out because of money, are just seeing that, ah, okay, these guys came with money, would align with these guys because there's money to be shared. Or these guys look like, okay, that's maybe their own understanding of what the problem is. Money to conduct an election, to even give them some kind of fighting chance against the already established parties. Now, money was the bargaining power that NCF and OB, and, and OB himself came into the Labour Party with. So it was at the point of NCF, OB, and the obedience coming into the Labour Party, it was basically a contest about power. Who would lead the Labour Party? Who would command who would get, gain access to the commanding heights of the party, right? So as far as I'm concerned, practice, the, I don't see any practice there. There was no real organization of workers outside, you know, the workers, with, the workers that um, um, TUC and NLC provided leadership for, you're right. And I mean, Saeed, you know those numbers. How many are they? Are they 10 million of them? Are they 3 million? Are they 4 million within labor or the TUC? But large swaths of the Nigerian working class happen to fall outside of these guys. And I'm not going to say that there's no real organizing going on outside of it, but it's. I'm going to easily say, I mean, I can, I can be, you know, I can, people can come after me for this. But the labor, the left as I know it, I mean, it had its, its heydays, but as it presently constituted, is lazy. You don't have money, but you don't want to put in the work. So there's no practice <laughs> here, really. You know, the, it was, it, at the end of the day, how I interpret what TPAP did was just a clash of egos, really. You know, um, well, with this bourgeois guy, because he has money coming to the party and then um, hijack it, that's, Basically, okay, because of our ego, we're not going to. But there were other things that could have been done for work in order to rescue the party, which didn't mean electoral victory, which could have meant that okay. even after the elections, you know, there could have been yeah. grounds for contesting power within Labour Party. Right, but did, did, did the other authors suggest any of those other things? At least those ones had, for me, had a bit more clarity about these things in terms of the ideology. They knew from mm -hmm. the get-go mm -hmm. that the makeup of the NCF will be and his obedient movement was largely middle class, right? And they didn't have they didn't they, they didn't have any illusions about it. They didn't think that they could radicalize them like Basil thought. Right. They also didn't think that they had no illusions about the fact that 
the labor bureaucracy was going to sell out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. But they had, what they held out was the hope that there will be elements, right, that would, would have been swayed by the idea of a third force. We, they, they didn't know how what the size would be, but that they, they, they had this idea that there will be elements that would have been swayed that weren't necessarily obedient or who didn't basically believe in the labor bureaucracy or didn't come out of unions, you know, that the labor's the labor labor centers led. And 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 I think that what this election shows is that. No matter how minute those, because there's uh, really it's really yeah. hard, difficult to quantify those numbers. But however minute those numbers are, they exist within the people who voted Labour who didn't buy into the obedient thing. Well, okay, maybe we should give OG a chance to respond since you've had yeah. a bit of time. OG, do you want to do you want do you want to respond to my? I didn't even yeah. intend for it to be provocative, but but my no, characterization or. <laughs> no, no, me, I, I, I don't see it as provocative because we are just trying to make sense of all these things, you know, like, oh. and what could have been done, how to approach it. What I just feel would have just been better was that if Labour had been a bit more organized and understood the character of that NLC, the Labour Union, and all that Labour Party, if we don't already know, as it takes, be say it's it's no good for the people generally then what could have been done to have, uh, you know, an alternative arrangement? You know, be say we will come this scamper, they run to make something out of something we're no good to start with in the mm. first place. We will have, ha, yeah, like, that, that, that's my, like, is the mm -hmm. left coherent enough to make a self-assessment of itself, its standing, its political standing before and even after elections, and then to see it's like, it's fighting chances when elections don't reach, and even after yeah. election, what work is being done to mobilize, you know? So I know we won't give, maybe they give ourselves too much yeah. stick like that because we, we just they try understand all these things. But totally. like, what should be done now is that, okay, elections don't go now. Elections have gone now, Abby. Yeah. And they still, they court, we still, they push on the togam and all that. But what kind of arrangements, what is the character of the left? What are our fighting chances? What are the yeah. uh, reserve of people we will get? What kind of organization of people do we want to have? The informal sector is a key area that we should look into. All these kind of things should have popped up. And then we should now go back to the drawing board and rearrange for the next fighting chance that we have. Right. It's not that, oh, the thing will come go now and then the election will come again. They will come dabaru the people and this, this right. confuse right. them and we'll be running and doing this analysis again. You know, So that's my own view about sure. it, you know? I think yeah. we'll get more into that aspect as well when we I come to think about when, when we come to sorry, Emeka, one second. Hmm. Yeah, you've just been going. So let, I think we'll come back to what OEG was just saying in the next segment where we talk about the pieces that analyze the obedient wave after the election happened. Um, because a lot of that what OEG is saying is kind of forward looking. Um but before then, I guess, I mean, Emeka, you had a chance to to offer some comments on my feedback, and now OEG has just done so. Should I comment, or do you mm. want to say something first? You know, you got, but I, I, me, I just want to ask one question, now, rhetoric. So it's, 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 I okay. mean, I don't even need an answer for it, you know, because, I mean, the way me, I would have believed what TPAP was saying, maybe more, is if they had decided to go and link up with AAC. 
you know, right, uh, right, yes, right. Yeah, that, that would have been more convincing, you know, sure. so, more practical. Yeah, so, it's more again, practical. It's yep. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah, I certainly agree with that, and I, I wanted to even, you know, start my response to your response by saying. One of the things that I most agree with in what you said after I spoke was that the TPAP approach was fundamentally top down, as in it was started, you know, it was oriented towards working with the leadership of the Labour Party, you know, the, the warring factions and the leadership of the labor unions, but not really working from the bottom up, which is maybe the not kind true. of approach that say, AAC has been taking you know, or or others like I or to a certain extent trying to work from a local government level, you know, rather than at the level of national leadership. So yeah, that you know, in saying that I found TPAP's article of the three we're discussing most compelling, I think I should make it clear that that doesn't mean that I endorse the TPAP's approach. <laughs> I mean all that, yeah, that's or, good to all see. that I mean I think it was I hope it was obvious to, to you guys, but I mean I think maybe in case it was lost. It's worth reaffirming no, it wasn't, that. It wasn't I, lost. It was just a, a position that allowed for more rigorous right. debate. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but where I still think their analysis has an advantage over the other two that we were talking about is to the extent that their thing was not just theory. The other people were just theorizing fundamentally still. In Basil's case, it was bad theory because it didn't even address the class realities we know about or the ideological realities we know about. In the case of the Marxists, you could argue that there was some good theory in there. At least it had that historical perspective. You know, at yeah. least it had that class perspective. But then what was the concrete action that they were ultimately saying we should do? They've talked about how the left is divided. They've talked about how the bourgeoisie is pushing this neoliberal agenda. They've talked about how the workers are likely to betray any kind of left alliance so then how how do you make the um left intervention in labor that they were suggesting and that how question crucially remained unanswered then to me the value of the tpap approach is that it writes a how it gives us a how that failed so at least we know that let's not go down that path right that path has failed um, which I think is something that if we're trying to be quote unquote scientific, we require because not all scientific experiments will be successful experiments. Uh, mm. you, you, could argue, you could argue that, okay, well, in fact, we knew before the fact that labor would betray TPAP and embrace the NCF. Yeah, but then we can't have a fundamentally defeatist approach towards the labor movement, right? Because then where would that put us? And even in a context where the labor leadership, you know, itself has shown that history of aligning with PDP billionaires or APC billionaires, they were facing a new kind of pressure in that moment, you know, given the suffering that people had undergone under Buhari, which we talked about in the last episode. So I think from that standpoint, that experiment still had a high likelihood of failure but at least the attempt has let us know, you know, that that's not the approach to follow, even in moments of high pressure on the leadership. So for that, from that standpoint, I feel that just because it actually gave us a little more of a practical demonstration of, in a sense, what not to do, 
it had a bit more of an advantage. And the final thing I'll say in terms of what commends TPAP approach to me is that it, I think, dealt with the fundamental, the fundamentally pessimistic reality that I think OEG has also been alluding to. That after the primaries had already happened, you know, if you want to call them primaries, because in a sense, the APC and PDP primaries were at least somewhat more democratic from the standpoint of people actually voted for alternative candidates that ran against each other. You know, whereas the Labour Party primaries just had one person running. I mean, the other people magically disappeared. But I mean, after the primaries happened, I think TPAP's analysis is clear on the fact that there was absolutely no chance that you were going to come from the top of the party and have any impact. And there was also no chance that you were going to mobilize or kind of re-educate or reconscientize the obedience. So which which is where I think the Basel article and the Marxism.com article spin in circles. You know, and I think TPAP was a little clearer on the fact that look, the party had already sacrificed or handed over on a platter of gold all of the institutional leverage to these right-wing entryists. So from there, what are you doing there? Like you want to go into the party and be preaching Marx to lucky people, or you want to be trying to, gra- <laughs> to drag the institutional positions that have now all been filled by OB allies, you know? So I think that maybe the other articles, in a sense, could have learned a bit from TPAP's approach, which happened in a moment before the possibility of actually gaining some power was foreclosed by the end of the primaries. So that would be my response to to you guys' responses. Should we open the floor for a couple more comments before we shift to the post-election analyses from the left? It's and for this. our listeners to our listeners yeah. to can give their opinions too, you know. So it's not just gonna be us alone. So they can give feedback and all. No, for sure. Yeah. Feedback welcome. I was just gonna say mm-hmm. sorry. I'll that's... wager I'll wager that this would draw some people. One hopes. Yeah, it'll yeah, it'll be nice to hear from them too. Okay, so you guys want to shift to the post-election analysis then? Yeah, I think we should.